Welcome to Rec Talks, a podcast dedicated to the latest trends from the world of rec tech, fintech, and financial regulations. My name is Klaus Christensen, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of award-winning rec tech provider Know Your Customer. Today, it's my great pleasure to welcome Kuhn van der Hoydonk as my guest. Kuhn is a fintech and rec tech influencer with an international following. He is the author of the RecTech Black Book and its sequel, and the founder of The Connector Ecosystem. With over 25 years of experience managing B2B companies in the global financial industry, Kuhn has worked for Euroclear, Saxo Bank, and Blanco, among others. Kuhn, thanks so much for accepting the invite. You're welcome, Klaus. It's a very pleasure to be here. Thanks. So let's break the ice. Could you share with us the story of how you became involved in the rec tech industry? What inspired you to pursue this field and how has your journey in rec tech been so far? Do you have a, a couple of hours, uh, Klaus, to, to listen to my story? <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I actually started working in the bank, uh, Euroclear. That's where my career started. So pretty much on the first line of defense and then I changed to become a general manager of a bank. And it's there that I realized that uh, your collaboration with the second line and the third line was very important to actually bring solutions to the market that were innovative to the financial industry. And it was my boss at the time who said to me, Kuhn, if you want to be a good banker, you can only be that by knowing your compliance stuff in and out. And you really collaborate with the compliance people. And I really took that to heart. And still today, I'm very surprised sometimes how the relationship is between the first and the second line, where in my opinion, you need to collaborate, you need to celebrate together. It's a tough world at the end, but this is where both meet. And that's the part where for me, the regulatory part came in. And then later on, I have been inspired about everything that has to do with technology. I was sort of born to be an engineer, but I eventually did not become. I became a banker instead. But the, the part of technology always was there. And for me, I always seeked for jobs that uh, I could combine both the human elements, which I think compliance is also part of it, the human element with the technology element. And if you can bring those together, it's very easy to come to RecTech. That's uh, both similar and, and very different from my own journey here in RecTech. I was coming from a pure technology background first. Financial regulations were something new to me. But what a complex field. What an interesting field as well. I can imagine. And this is also something that I found was my journey. Because when I was a youngster, I think I was in my early 30s when I became a general manager for the bank. Looking up in the companies I worked before, I had utmost respect for the directors that were running the shop. But I also realized that there was a, a large generational gap between my layer, if you want, and the layer on top. So at a very early age, started to think about and starting to be concerned about the fact that the future of banking was literally relying on our generation to take up. And that was for me, maybe not so much the, the rolling into rec tech, but it was more the start into fintech because I realized that technology was really an enabler for many banks to bring innovative solutions, not only for themselves, but particularly for the clients. And you hear that so often nowadays that user experience still is the, the main key driver for innovation. I agree there. And we're still all working on, on that field to 
reduce the number of clicks needed to do things and improve the user experience. You work with a lot of different rag tech businesses. You have observed the evolution of the market from a very privileged position. In your experience, what are some of the most effective strategies rag tech companies can implement to stand out in an increasingly crowded and competitive space? For me, the, the mantra is not so difficult. Speaking it out, it's not so difficult, but reality is more complex. And I think for a startup to be successful, let's maybe call a RegTech also a startup, there's a couple of important elements, and it's all about language. It's to speak the language of the regulator. It's to understand uh, what's really happening and really have a profound understanding about regulations. And I think RegTechs very often are privileged not to work in one jurisdiction, but be able to and have to be present in multiple jurisdictions. So they, they get this sort of overarching view on what's happening in the markets. And secondary, I think it's also important for a startup nowadays is to really start thinking and talking like a bank. What I mean by that is I remember starting up with Blanco a couple of years ago and people were looking very strange to us, especially amongst fintechs that we said, we have set up the company with the three lines of defense from the start. Like what? What, what are the three lines of defense? Uh, and then I explained, but why would you do that? It's additional burden on, on, on your startup. No, it's to be able to talk and to connect to the bank. Because in my opinion, maybe that's the third advice or third thing that is important is to line, align also your sales efforts with the three lines of defense. Take that into account that you will always need to convince the three levels. It's the business, it's compliance, and you need to also show that you can control things and you have like proof of what you do. That's great advice. And I can echo that. In the very beginning, as a technology company, we did not have the knowledge how to talk to the client correctly. And it took a lot of initial meetings that ended frustratingly uh, with misunderstanding and uh, with no deal mm -hmm. um, to understand really what language do our customers speak and uh, to start speaking the same language. But moving on from what the company should do to what the founders and leadership team should do, you have an absolutely fantastic presence on social media, especially. I see you on LinkedIn and Twitter, and you're probably present in even more where I'm not. What's the role of the individuals? I think the role of the individual is key. At the end of the day, people want to do business with people, not with business names. So it's all about who you are and how authentic you are in the industry. And for some, it's easy because you kind of share your own personal passion and then that radiates automatically to the audience. For some others, this is more difficult. But maybe as a tip, if you go on social channels, be yourself. Don't hesitate to be human. Failures are also part of life. And you realize that uh, emotions actually draw emotions from others. That's really where you get the traction on the social media platforms. And that's also why you traction where you get satisfaction for your own, because probably that is much more aligned of what you want to be, what you want to achieve. So for me, people sometimes say, oh, Kun, you're an influencer. Wow. I said, oh, don't exaggerate. Unfortunately, I don't get perks like some of the Instagram fans. The only perks I get is uh, I'm, happy, I'm allowed to come and work sometimes at conferences to speak or to be in panels. Especially what I like a lot is that uh, 
I can say that, well, look, I found a way to express my passion around banking and my mission to make banking accessible for everyone. And the fact that I can do that gives me a lot of gratification also by the fact being present. So I take off, I take away a little bit the notion of, yeah, you're an influencer, so everything comes to you. No, it's the other way around. It's, I found a way to express who I am and what I want to uh, convey to the rest of the world. I love that. Moving on to another topic, what advice would you have for aspiring entrepreneurs to enter the rag tech space particularly? I think the advice would be simple is to, to get out and meet other rag techs. Be in the markets, make yourself street smart so that you know what's already in the market. And maybe there's possibilities, opportunities to collaborate with rag techs that already exist. At the same time, I think entrepreneurship is something that maybe should be turned a little bit into intrapreneurship because I believe there is a large opportunity for compliance officers today working in a bank that can take the space of innovation. That space has been taken a lot in the past by innovation desks at larger banks, but now I feel that uh, innovation is back where it belongs and that's with the business, literally solving business problems. And that's why I also believe that the compliance officer is really well-placed to understand what's happening between either the business and either technology. But in order to do that, the same advice counts. Get out of the door, understand your tech, experience your tech. So maybe at the same time, a large shout out to all the banks. Please don't hesitate to stop doing proof of concept with RegTechs because it's only then that you learn and potentially you start figuring out that collaboration is the best way forward. I absolutely agree. It is talking to customers that you need as an entrepreneur very early on. So my advice would be not to build in private for long times, but go out there and connect to potential customers. Another might be in this particular space, RegTech, especially if you want to talk to financial institutions or sell to financial institutions, be fast and break things might not be quite the right approach. Disrupting the space of compliance is probably a difficult thing to do in banking. So it's probably better to assist and improve and from within then change things rather than go out for all out revolutions. It's that magical dance between mankind and machine, right? It has to be done always initiated by a person because uh, laws and regulations are made for persons. They're not made for machines. And maybe some would argue that some also are applicable on machines. I think about uh, AI regulations, for example. But at the end of the day, it's all because we live in a society in which we have values in which we believe and we try to stick within those values. And that's a human thing. So why would that be just fixed by technology? No, it has to be fixed by the spirits of people. And that's why I believe that the compliance role will and, and continues to stay a very, very crucial role within the banks or within the financial industry. Yeah, very true. So what do you think are some of the most transformative technologies that are currently emerging in our space? I think today data is the, the magic. A lot of the good solutions, especially within the rec tech domain, boil back to data. And it can go very simple. It's, it's how to use the data already available, how to sort that, how to put that in, in better places, how to use the data, utilize the data, 
that could be of a high benefit for a bank because very often compliance departments are still done in a very manual, old-fashioned way, which works, but could be improved. So I follow you by saying improvement. So maybe the technical innovation is not as sexy as we want it to be. On the other hand, everyone today is using the word AI. AI is hot, especially with ChatGPT and other new features that came out that brought this to the to the streets. Yeah, people, my mother is even talking about it. She knows what ChatGPT is suddenly. Like, wow, cool. So I do believe that there is also an opportunity for AI. But what you see in practice that that AI is very often used as a buzzword. But if you go into practice, it is literally like the good old days, understanding the data. And yes, you may be using a little bit of AI to better understand. So I think it's about understanding data. And that brings me to what I think it's the next thing to come. It's around data collaboration. Today, data is very sticky around one financial institution. And it's hard to share because if you start sharing, you share your crown jewels. And that's not what you want because it, uh, you earned the trust of your clients and you don't want to just put that for everyone in the market. So nowadays, data collaboration is the new kit on the block. And it sort of allows you to have multiple data sources to run queries, advanced analytics on them, even AI if you want, algorithms. But you don't jeopardize the privacy of both, none of both uh, data sources. And something that you see very strongly in Europe, it's a little bit hidden at the moment, it's the Data Governance Act, which is literally promoting and giving handles to the industry and not even the financial industry, but the industry as a whole to start collaborating on data and giving a sort of structure to do this. So in my opinion, this is something we're probably going to see more about in the next uh, five to 10 years. We are taking part in such initiatives as well. Thanks for mentioning ChatGPT. That's also has been on my mind constantly. I'm personally very excited about the prospects of that technology. And in fact, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I wrote the uh, GPT memo. I think that'll be a thing that you will see from many CEOs around the globe that they ask their staff what I ask my staff to all try it out, to all work with it, mm -hmm. and to come back with ideas how these new large language models would be integrated in our products and in our personal workflows and make us more productive. I think there's giant opportunity there, and it's uh, certainly not a technology that you want to ignore, but uh, really engage with and, and go forward with it. No, but that's great to hear. And I think that should be an aspiration to many others because um, I also heard banks or institutions in the industry that like formally say no chat GPT within our company, none whatsoever. And I think your approach is much more healthier. For a long time, we said, oh, AI is up there. It's up in the air. One day, one time, this will happen. Rise of the machines, it's far away. And then suddenly chat GPT comes. It's like, wow, this is so real. It writes like a human. It's maybe even better than myself because it's so quick. It gets angles to conversations that I never saw. So yes, there is a certain truth to this. But at the same time, it's also the tip of the iceberg because the data it's been running on, it's data from the past. So what companies don't think about is that if you use similar technologies that can run on your own data sets, 
in a trusted environment, yeah, maybe the idea of bringing strange answers and 99% correct and 1% wrong is maybe not so much more applicable. And to come back on the human being, we should never forget we are in control. So if 99 is provided and is correct, if you're smart enough, you can actually realize what's the 1% left and you only change the 1%. And you gain a lot of time by doing this. So I personally believe that you're right. People should try and test within certain boundaries. Yeah. We discussed a lot of things already here, but one more question before we, we end here, really. You're in touch with multiple markets and regions. Where in the world would you say that the most exciting RegTech innovations are taking place? I think RegTech is happening everywhere, but there's different flavors where you go. And what I particularly like myself, and that's a personal uh, view, it's the, what you see strongly in Asia is the collaboration between the regulator and the market, and especially on the, the fintech market. So there's a lot of uh, collaboration happening and uh, pulling things together, allowing some space to invent and to innovate. I see that a little bit less in Europe. On the other hand, if you look at Europe, we're known to be front runners in terms of putting regulations on things. And for example, look at GDPR. I think we should be very proud as Europeans to put that regulation out because it changed somehow the world and it's giving more responsibilities to us and less vulnerabilities to the outside world. So I think every region has its quality. And I would rather say then maybe and that's a very correct answer is we should all collaborate and learn from each other. I like that answer very much. There's different things going on in different parts of the world, but if we put it together, then we get a much better outcome. Absolutely. So last question uh, I ask all my guests, if uh, tomorrow you woke up and somehow you had become the global financial regulator, what would be the first thing you would do and why? Well, I think the answer is very simple, Klaus. It's um, I would try to uh, unify regulations worldwide, because if I see one showstopper in terms of innovation and literally bringing benefits to the end customers, in one breath, you say financial inclusion, you say a lot of good things, but it's very difficult as a market, as a whole globally to make it happen because we by default are inefficient because we're different. And we're not different in terms of the global way of thinking, but the devil is the detail or the detail is the devil. And that's something that I would change. Thank you so much, Kuhn. That was really fun. Thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, we'll speak again, I'm sure. Thank you for listening to this episode of Rec Talks. My name is Klaus Christensen, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of award-winning RecTech provider, Know Your Customer. If you liked the episode, please subscribe to the whole series and leave us a review. And if you'd like to connect with us, suggest a guest or a topic for an upcoming episode, please send us a message at info at knowyourcustomer.com or visit knowyourcustomer.com slash rectalks.